0: Hey, welcome to In The Shift, a podcast for when life and faith go off script. My name is Michael Frost. Welcome into In The Shift, episode at number 86. Nice to have you along. And um, today on the podcast, we have uh, a conversation. Shane Meyer Holt is back, and we are continuing our conversation about experiencing God and some of the questions, challenges, um, possibilities, uh, doubts that come up in this whole conversation for people. And and there are a few reasons why we've done this. Um, certainly for many folk who have come through forms of maybe Pentecostal, charismatic, evangelical, spirituality, Christianity more broadly, uh, or perhaps even other religious traditions where experience and experience of God has been like a central factor in spirituality and shaping spirituality, what we might call relationship with God, experiences of church and of worship and So many ways in which experience is centered within these contexts, and yet also uh, so many questions that have come up for people, maybe in their process of uh, deconstruction, or of doubt, or of questions that haven't had satisfactory answers, or of just starting to wonder whether this was all a bit manipulative and coercive, or um, experiencing a lot of pressure, or being told things that simply turned out not to be true, or experiencing you know prophetic words like my my uh, my my prophecy when i was 16 that i was going to be excellent at, and have great success in sports which so far hasn't played out so maybe it's those kinds of questions or maybe it's a mixture for a lot of folk which is this kind of sense that there are these meaningful experiences that feel like they were experiences of god and might have been quite transformative and yet there are also questions around those experiences and or around others and so this can be a complicated muddle to to work our way through. So Shane and I have been starting these conversations as a way of trying to tackle some of that. And we continue that today and talk through uh, the ways in which we used to understand experiencing God within our within the spirituality that we had kind of inherited in many respects or that, that shaped us and formed us, especially in our young adult years. And so we um, we talk a bit about that. We talk about both the, the theological framework for understanding that kind of experience experience And then the kind of manifestation, if you like, or the phenomena of that experience and how those things are connected, and then both the possibilities and the challenges that that created. Uh, and some of the big questions that ended up certainly for me and I know also for Shane that, that we ended up sitting with. So we talk a bit about that and then we then we discuss how we think about experiencing God for ourselves now. What's the theological framework that sits alongside that? What does that experience look like or not? Um, and so we talk through some of that. And then, helpfully at the end, Shane asks a question which kind of um, – or raises a raises a couple of thoughts that then kind of blow the whole thing up for us and cause us to um, have to reassess in some respects. And so there's going to be another couple of conversations coming after this one as we kind of grapple with some of the things we are finding ourselves reflecting on and stumbling into along the way. So that's where we go in this episode. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's a good one and I hope it's helpful and that you might find something that you resonate with or that makes sense for you or that meets you where you're at. Um... So yeah, that's what's about to come your way. As always, you can get in touch, feedback at intheshift.com. Apologies if I don't get back to you quickly. I think I've been a little bit overwhelmed by my inbox this year. And so um, I'm doing my best. But uh, if if I haven't responded to you uh, promptly, please, no offense. I do love seeing and reading and hearing the feedback that gets sent in. I just don't always have the capacity to respond to all of it quickly. So um so there's that. So yeah, feedback at in the shift.com. And you can also support the podcast and the work of In the Shift through Patreon, Patreon.com slash in the If you want to find out about that, or you can follow us on the social medias, I suppose. I suppose that's a thing still. I think it is. Yeah, I see some of you there. That's nice. Uh, and so that's that's that. So I guess uh, there's nothing left but to say this is episode 86 of In the Shift. Let's get into it. Well, hello, Shane, again.
1: Once again, how many times have we done this together? I don't know, but it sounds like you're very bored of my company. <laughs> once oh, again. It's, it's a you again. Yeah. I tried to find another guest, but no one was available.
0: Do you know, do you know actually what I thought? Um, because last the last episode, which you weren't on, sorry about that. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I've only just stopped moping. I, I had a little bit of trouble just recording my opening line, which I do in every you know, the, the hey, welcome Oh
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's just like, did you want to start giving that a crack? You know, did you want to give that a crack sometime? Oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready for the hot seat, Michael. Are you, <laughs> you not? That. No, you don't, want to, you don't no. want to just give that opening line a little go. Is I don't you, want to sit in your uncomfortably warm chair. <laughs> do you want, to, you want to talk about your a podcast when life and faith goes off script? No, <laughs> I
1: do. Yeah, I do like the line though. Oh yeah, yeah well thanks. Yeah, you you I'm a fan. Yep. Um Well,
0: okay. All of that aside, mm. lovely to see you.
1: Lovely and, to see you. Actually, uh, it really is. I haven't seen your face in, we've talked a bit but I haven't seen your face in quite a long time so it's no, nice it's, yeah. it, is, it is nice my yeah. uh, my internet's a bit dodgy so
0: your face is not quite as crisp as normal so sorry well, about that that's probably not a bad thing is it actually it has improved the situation
1: <laughs> no jokes that <laughs> yeah. was a hilarious
0: joke uh, okay oh, so we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about experience we well, are yeah. and um, one thing we thought might be a good thing to do would be to talk a bit about Although we've talked about this a bit so far in our couple of conversations on experience, I don't know that we've talked directly about how we think about experiencing God now and maybe even in contrast to how we used to. So I mm. thought it'd be good to reflect a little bit on that more specifically and intentionally. And so I thought I'd start by sort of talking about how I used to, looking back now, Framework that I see kind of functioned for me in relation to my experience and what that kind of invited me to experience, and also the problems mm. that that mm. construct and environment then created for me. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then you can yep. um, see if you resonate with,
1: with any of yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. A little behind of- the scenes. I've had a <laughs> really crappy full on weekend. So mm. uh, we talked about thinking about these things, but I literally just haven't had spare moments or energy to do any of this. So I'm um, going to let Michael do the heavy lifting here and then I'm going to dance around with some flags and add some colour. Oh, please do. Have you yeah. got flags? Metaphorically, maybe literally, you're never going to know because it's an audio-only podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That'll uh,
0: titillate the listeners. All right. <laughs> sure, so, um I
1: will. So I, I'm
0: thinking about how, I guess, not just kind of um, – socially culturally but also theologically how the kind of framework used to work for me in terms of mm. experiencing god and what that kind of led to and i think there's this interesting thing about theology as someone who does it because there's like the explicit theologies and then there's the um the implicit kind of unsaid theologies that are that are much that are communicated sometimes um quite clearly yep. but often imbibed and a, mm-hmm. and sort of mm-hmm. given you sort of it becomes evident that those are the things that are believed. Even if even if we were to ask you flat out, either that those are the things that you believe or not, you might get mm. a different answer. And so I, I was thinking about and this. Let's, let's
1: face it; they 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 function far more to the to the fore for most Christians. Full stop. Mm. Anyway, like because you know even even for those who have done some theological study. That kind of like ongoing engagement with the kind of mechanics behind the scenes isn't necessarily something that most people kind of like really engage with and carry on. And so the kind of like, yeah, implicit theology, I think, is a far more powerful shaping force. Like if you want to believe what a, see what a church believes, it's usually tucked, you know, a few pages back on a website somewhere that you might look at once going in and, um, in fact, my friend of mine did this the other day to find <laughs> somewhere through eight, eight different click-throughs to find out what a church believed. And then they found all the stuff about like we believe in eternal conscious torment and most people are going to end up being tortured forever and all of eternity. <laughs> quite, a few, quite a few layers back. And then it's like whoop back out. But on a day-to-day level, like for most of those churchgoers, like I think that yeah, implicit theology is a Really powerful shaping force. Yeah,
0: yeah, and you know, I remember years ago, and this would have been early on in my own study when I was starting to wrestle with some stuff, and I ended up catching up with with a, a guy who was like a, a scholar of Greek classics and New Testament, you know, history and theology and stuff. And he just, I remember the, the line really stuck with me at that time, and he was like, "If you really want to know what you believe, like listen to yourself pray." like and mm. what comes out, like when you pray mm. or something like that, you know.
1: And I Father think, Lord um,
0: God. Hmm? Fatherly, yes. Father, Lord, Father, Lord God. Mm. That's right. Uh, how many times do you mention various yes. names of God in a minute? And mm. then that'll tell you something about how spiritual you are. <laughs> yeah. But um,
1: mm.
0: the, Yeah. So, and that was always a really interesting reflection because <laughs> I even noticed this in doing theological study, which was that people would be learning all this stuff and then you'd hear them pray. And it was like, oh no, that hasn't actually sunk in yeah. very yeah. far or yeah. just, just entering into that like reflective process of figuring out like yeah. what we say
1: we believe and even what yeah. we think we believe versus what we really believe. And, and um, can I can I say sometimes that's actually not a bad thing? Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> because I, I think often even <laughs> half the time at a kind of like folk level, like implicit level, like we are actually able to um, push away things that are actually too horrific to believe or mm. don't actually function in our mm. lives in a way that we we would – if push came to shove, we would say that we believe them, but intuitively we go, meh. <laughs> and so we actually live out of a different form of faith. And that's, yeah, sometimes I think that actually protects people.
0: Yeah. So I think that's the case, like even in something we've already mentioned, which is like hell is eternal conscious torment, where I think you're sort of supposed to believe it. Mm. And ask, if asked about it often in, the, in those contexts, you 100, I 100% would have said I did believe it. Yeah. And yet if I really did believe, believe it I don't think that would actually be an emotionally sustainable way to live in terms no. of but you know and, and, and even again it's, it's hard sometimes to even accept that I didn't really believe it at, at a deeply implicit level because yeah. I would have said I did all day
1: long yeah but and, and there would be I, ways in which your lifestyle reflected that you did believe it yeah yeah. but whether it runs all the way down mm. you know I mean my my mm. contention still is is that people who truly believe in hell would never have children, or if they mm. did, it's unethical for them to do so, because, yeah, I think, <laughs> not to flog a dead horse, but, yeah, like, I think, you know, that's a, that's a good example of whether hell runs all the way down or not, whether you're prepared to risk the uh, eternal state of your um, yet-to-be-born children or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, why would you even conceive of taking that risk, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, even if it was a one percent chance, I don't think I'd want to take that oh, risk. certainly really. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So look, <laughs> that's a nice divergence into uh, implicit and explicit theologies, but it does kind of relate to this because I think I think about in particular, like my like Pentecostal kind of charismatic uh, hmm. tradition and experience in the church, and how you know from lots of perspectives, like the Holy Spirit was understood to be within me. Yep. Uh, that the Holy Spirit, especially if I had had a particular kind of experience at some point called spirit baptism or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, then – or even sometimes just the fact that I was a Christian and I believed in Jesus and I'd said the right prayer, either of those things in their own way meant that the spirit was with me and in me uh, in in a certain kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, if I think about the spirituality of that time, a lot of what the spirituality was oriented toward – and I think informed my theology much more implicitly, was that um, the Holy Spirit also and primarily really needed to come to where I was yeah. from somewhere else. Yeah. And so um, the vast proportion of songs sung and prayers prayed and ministry time spent and church, prolonged church services and all-night prayer meetings and, and all of those things, so much of that was calling on God. God in some way to turn up Mm. Uh, when someone was praying for you. They Mm. were praying that you would be filled or that the Spirit would come upon you and they would say words repetitively which Mm. now – aside from the semi-hypnotic nature of that, just awkwardly having someone pronounce, you know, say come, come, come over <laughs> you
1: for an extended period of
0: time is uh, something I look back now and think, yeah, it's a bit odd. But, um, but you know. <laughs> then, they they, then they blow on you, yeah. Yes, yes, they do. Um, and, and just, you know, all that kind of language, and I think about a lot of the songs we used to sing, you know, fire mm. fall down or come Holy mm. Spirit or mm. um, pour out on, on us like rain or I can – the, the lyrics are all in there somewhere. Yep. Um, but, you know, that was a, a primary motif or theme yep. of the spirituality. Yeah. Yeah? Do you resonate yep. with that kind of spiritual yeah. uh, framework?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, like can like that we were a container that needed to be – I mean, I always got kind of like told that, you know, the kind of like fresh anointing and the fresh filling, that we're a container that constantly needed to be filled up because – we were effectively drained of the spirit as we went about our everyday lives, and we needed to kind of like get, yeah, get, get a, a, a kind of a fresh touch or a fresh contact with the spirit, like that would be filled up again until overflowing. And yeah, there was this, this sense in which um, it was something to be pursued. Um, and yeah, that it was something that, like, that came in, in primarily in particular. Modes, I guess. Like, I think the kind of the, the, the two major modes were kind of like morning devotions, um, which for a not morning person was never very successful for me, um, <laughs> or in in some kind of meetings that there were special people or special places that allowed that kind of filling to happen.
0: Mm. And yeah, so it seems like there was a whole kind of, for want of a better term, almost industry, like <laughs> yeah, um, you know, set up around there, right? Which is yep. whether that was the itinerant, uh, person who had a <laughs> yeah. special gift who could yeah. travel around and, and, and do the magic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, magic thing,
1: magic blow um,
0: yep. that, that you would kind of then be sort of trying to experience or get along and yep. get, get a touch, yep. uh, get something of what magic they had and mm-hmm. that it might sort of also become part of your life. Um, and, you know, so much of the kind of the worship and the prayer was centered around that as well. Um, and I guess not just, yeah, I mean, I, I think about this particularly as like a musician, someone who was in a musician in, in this kind mm. of space, where so much of that was about kind of getting the conditions right yeah. in order for the special anointing to be or to flow or for God yeah. to be present in a particular kind of way. And there was a lot of pressure in its own way to, to, to be mm. there. And I still see that. Um, play out, you know, in in those worlds now, that yeah. immense amount of kind of pressure to to have those things, to have those conditions right so that the spirit who is, um, even if we would say the spirit is present within me, mm. we're looking for the spirit to either break in and do something or be mm. present in a particular kind of way that otherwise the spirit is not present yeah. to do.
1: And, and, and there's kind of two layers to that, right? There's a kind of like performance layer in which you've got to kind of, perform music in particular ways and at a particular level of professionalism and excellence and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm, mm to facilitate that. But there's also just the kind of earnestness, the kind of Mm, earnestness required to generate that kind of response. And any failure to do so, the response is always kind of like more earnestness, (laughs) whether that be like repentance or just like really pressing in or there's kind of an emotional tax Associated mm, with mm. receiving the right, receiving the spirit or generating those kinds mm. of conditions, right?
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, and then you sort of end up with all of this kind of and really fascinating um, kind of. I don't quite know how to describe it really, but almost like a a social, cultural, st- religious status or sort of language for for the people who did seem to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, would be something like, oh, yes, um, I don't know. You'd get someone who was apparently, you know, very anointed who would maybe come into your church or come into a space and then mm. they would remark that, oh, I can tell that they're praying people here, mm. you know, or something. They would yeah. make some kind of comment that, that, again, alludes to this idea that sort of behind the curtain there are these, you're able to sense, you know, the really sensitive people are able to, Tell yeah. what's really going yeah. on, and who the pure ones are, and who the pure yeah. ones
1: aren't, and who. I mean, in, you could just say they were they were fluffing for um, a bigger offering, but um, that yes, would be possibly. that would be cynical. But there was there was a sense because like uh, like I don't know if you kind of grew up with all the revival narratives and stuff, but you know, for people who kind of studied the revivals and mm, stuff, there was mm. kind of all these stories of that one praying woman who stayed there for f- three years and prayed every night, and then God showed up, and there's that kind of sense in which that breakthrough came through it was facilitated by kind of just a one or two. Earnest, very earnest people, Um, Mm, and mm. imagine a whole church of earnest people that God couldn't help but show up and do Mm. very dramatic things. Like, yeah, the kind of almost like a mechanistic view of, (laughs) um, yeah, of of moving, moving God or allowing God to move.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and sort of almost formulaic and formulaic in a way that also undoes or like has an answer for why the formula doesn't work because obviously, yeah. And in a sense, the, there's a formula, but if the formula doesn't work, it's because God is, you know, because there's a test or a particular, you know, mm. there's some kind of something to to accomplish or to achieve or to push through into or a certain level of, I think we talked about desperation on our last yeah. conversation, but you know, yeah. a certain level of desperation God wants us to arrive at or mm. whatever it might be. So there is always that kind of rationale for, for when the formula doesn't work. And, and again, if you ask people explicitly, if they thought about it in terms of a formula, I don't, they would say, no, I would yeah. have said no. Yeah. And yet there definitely was, yeah, a, a mechanistic, and maybe that's a better word than formula, there certainly was kind of a, this is kind of the same with almost grace language when we come to the, like explicit and implicit, which is this language of it's this free gift, mm. you know, and even the presence of the spirit is this free gift, the experience mm. of God is this free gift, and yet at the same time, here are if all the you- ways you can kind <laughs> of stuff it up or help it happen.
1: Yeah. too so yeah, yeah they're, they're totally. kind of trying to have both things going on and, um, and that narrative's not new like you can see that throughout mm. scripture right we, we it's particularly mm. kind of like Hebrew Bible stuff and 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 even Jesus' kind of engagement with that like there's there's all these arguments as to why God's not showing up is God not showing up because we're marrying foreign wives um mm. should we send them and their children out into the desert and let them mm. die or is God not showing up because justice justice hasn't been done did we get mm. taken into Babylonian captivity captivity because we didn't keep um Torah do because we didn't do the right things at the temple or do we not look after the widow and orphan? Like there was these debates about like we find ourselves in this calamitous situation or we find that, you know, we're not in the place where God promised that we would be. Why hasn't God shown up and delivered us? Oh, the reason is because of this and this. So that yeah. I guess that, there's that kind of innate human curiosity about, you know, in, I guess in the kind of Hebrew world it was much more to do with restoration of land and temple and and things like that and but for this context it seems to be a lot more about why is God showing up or not in our church services why are mm. people getting saved or not um mm. so should have put a trigger warning before that but um <laughs> post is fine um yeah like the, the, like we still have the same kinds of curiosity about the activity of God like mm. in the same narrative functions for describing it yeah
0: yeah we're still asking the same Fundamental question in mm. many respects, mm. yeah. What what did we do or not do that yeah. God then did or did not do the yeah. thing that we were hoping for or not? So yeah, yeah. There, there's this correlation we're trying to draw, and 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 as a way to make sense of our experience and sense of the world that mm. we live in. Yeah. And, and in that sense, it's a very natural impulse to want to do that. In terms of like how my <clears throat> how this kind of all function for me, I suppose is if if the spirit was I, I wanted to have some kind of experience, and that might be big or small. Like, you know, there were times mm. in my in my journey of faith at that time where I was seeking the big kind of revivalist preacher yeah. kind of, you know, read the stories of of various people and their anointings and their various, you know, amazing breakthroughs of the spirit, and kind of wanting that. And there were mm. other times I was just wanting closeness or intimacy or feelings yeah, of yeah. comfort or or yeah. love, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of that whole spectrum. And so it wasn't always just seeking the spectacular in that sense. Mm. It was just often just seeking a sense of of closeness and of of kind of tapping into something real and and yeah. And, and yeah,
1: to yeah. Sense and, God. and maybe to defend. <laughs> um, like, you know, I think it's like really easy to kind of focus on the kind of like um, what's another word for dickheads? Um, the <laughs> The the, kind, the kinds of people, the kind of showstopper people who yeah, were yeah. evidently there in it for personal gain and for mm. ego and for their mm. own, you know, jerk off ministries and stuff. But like, for, I genuinely believe that lots of the people, like, like had this genuine desire for people to be connected to God and to feel God's presence, to mm. feel God's love, and to, mm. and even some of the kind of wild-eyed prophets within our own communities and stuff like that. Like when when it came down to it, all they really wanted was just good things for people. They wanted people to be close mm-hmm. to God. Like, mm-hmm. and as much as I might not agree with their theology or even some of the kind of layers of manipulation and earnestness and stuff like that, like I don't want to make everyone in this place position out to be someone who was just self-serving? Because I think there was, yeah, there was lots of this genuine wrestle of like, wow, you know, if we serve a God of love and we want to feel God's love, then how do we make that come about? like
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, that was my experience a lot of the time, I think. Yeah, um and, and I think that, yeah, I think you're right. That is most people's experience. And so you're putting aside the kind of the charlatans mm. or whatever for a while who are, that's a better of name it. than oh. <laughs> Uh Who are kind of engaging in that showmanship or that, you know, yeah. and, and, and all of that. Most, you know, 98% of people in that space are just seeking some kind of closeness, a sense of connection, mm. a sense of meaning, a sense of, of being filled with, I think, uh, a sense of um, empowerment because mm. life is hard and they want, yeah. they want a sense that God is with them in their hard yeah. life, yeah. somehow helping them to make life a bit less hard. Yeah. Um. You know, that's a, yeah. a lot of what people are experiencing. You know, most most people were probably not like me in the phase where I was trying to be the revivalist preacher. Most people mm. are just going like, I got kids and I got a job and I have got to figure out how to get food on the table. And, and yeah. man, I could do with a sense of life yeah. being okay and and yeah. that God loves me. You know, that's that's I think what most people are looking for. Um, and and, and I just I guess what I'm reflecting on in in this kind of f- sort of shape of spirituality is that. Even for that, the way of leaning into that was was to see still this God as kind of coming to us from some from somewhere, and even if it wasn't mm. understood as a physical location, although I did see some preachers sort of try. The Holy Spirit has just come in the back left door, you know. <laughs> uh, did see that a few times, but um,
1: <laughs> the other one was locked. The back right door was locked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like there was just this sense of, of of wanting yeah God to come and meet me somehow mm. and to fill me, yeah, mm. like the, the container that needs filling up and to be yeah. filled with strength or power or love or whatever it was that I was kind of in need of at that time. Yeah. Um, but because God was kind of elsewhere, I think then there was like, how do you know that that's happened, right? Mm. Like, so if I just be like, yeah, Holy Spirit to come and fill me up and then mm. I'm like, did it did it work, you know? Yeah and and i and i feel like so much of the the ways in which i thought about experience at that time was really the the sign mm-hmm. that something had happened yeah and that's kind of why i wanted the experience almost more than like more than the fact that i wanted to feel pins and needles in yeah. my body you know i wasn't yeah. searching um for a particular um kind of experience because Phenomenal. the experience itself yeah. was so, yeah, was so extraordinary yeah. as much as I think that experience would in some way be a sign that something had happened, that you want God to conf- had Confirmation. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Um, And so the kind of confirmation, I think that in that culture I was shaped, you know, essentially it was like, okay, so what does that confirmation look like then mm. or feel like? Mm. And I think generally speaking, it was, it was some kind of phenomena phenomenon. So it was like, mm you know, and again, in the more dramatic times and usually at the youth camps or whatever, it was the falling over and yep. you know, the, those kind of more dramatic phenomena that Pentecostal charismatic kind of yep. communities are a bit more known for whether yep. that was falling or shaking but sometimes it might just be, you know, a feeling of warmth in your body or mm. pins and needles. Um, your heart beating. Yep. Your heart beating a little Beagle faster, yeah. yeah. Um, pins and needles definitely not related to how long you'd had your hands raised above your head. Nope. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, you were looking, oh, I was looking for that, for that mm. kind of Sensory feedback in a yeah. in a way that was yeah. going to tell me I was experiencing something that would yeah would, that would confirm that God is with me that mm. God is for me and I, yeah. and I or if it wasn't some kind of physical phenomena then it was some kind of internal um, sense of maybe like a heightened sense of emotion yeah or.
1: Um, or a vision or a dream or a yeah, word. Or, or a yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, have a word for somebody or someone have a word for me. Uh, yeah. And if you're not familiar with like the having a word for somebody thing, basically <laughs> it just means like you, you sort of feel like God is telling you something about the other person.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and so often, and in these contexts, that's a very common feature of, of prayer. So, you know, mm. all of these things were those signs that God was somehow close or near or with or in. Um, even just the sense that of the almost indefinable sense of closeness yeah. to something beyond, to God, what I would mm. definitely, you know, mm. would have talked about as being God, as the divine, as the spirit. Um, even feelings like associated with music, and, you know, we've talked a little bit about music already, but the, the sort of the heightened sense of those peaks and troughs of, of music and, and the certain feelings that they would create, interpreted yeah. also as like, oh, that is God. Being close. and those were kind of, I guess, there was a whole range of them, and there's there's lots and lots, but they are all in their own way a kind of a collection of approved signs, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, to say God has come to you, yeah, the yeah. Spirit is with you or in you, yeah, um, yeah. Do you resonate with with that as a kind of way of thinking about it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that very much mirrors my experience. So the point where, like, I was always shocked if I ever met someone who didn't who was a, a, a Christian, um, um aka a good person, um, one of us, um, who didn't have that same sense. Like I, mm. I still remember being shocked by people who, who ha- said that they never felt God. I just felt very sorry for them and it didn't mm. seem to bother lots of them. They had their relationship <laughs> through other means. And like, I, but just always very much p- confused me. Um, but this kind of like closed container of like approved phenomena, again, like sociologically or anthropologically, is not, it's again, it's not new. It's the way that cultures have kind of held spirituality for, mm. for, mm. for eons, like all in different forms about what. Rituals and rites um, of passage and, you know, practices and communal um, expressions and then what signs are evident to, you know, I feel like we should have Carly on here instead of me for this bit, um, calling Carly. Um, but yeah, like like all, all of those kind of like um, group um Assent, you know that we've we mm-hmm. we have um assented to this being the way that um spirituality or the divine expresses itself when we do these things in response to these things through these particular means and ways, and these are the confirmation. Like this, yeah, sounds very strange, I guess, when talking kind of from the kind of like modernistic rationale, rational kind of like mm. perspective. Mm. Um, but in terms of kind of like spirituality across cultures and stuff like this, this is always the way that spiritual communities work. Um, They just have different prerequisites and different expressions and different rituals and practices. Mm, Like, mm. yeah, like I don't think we should feel silly for having some sense of like shared agreement around how we understand the divine showing up. Um, I think it's a very natural, natural thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, I think what's interesting is just the way that it's certainly in my own life and experience to use the word repeatedly, Mm. um, that, that container of signs, if you like, of approved kind of signs, um, in the end started and, and, and that whole notion of God being somewhere and needing God to come. And so those signs being kind of evidence of, of that arrival, um, gave rise to a a different set of then problems or challenges.
1: Or anxieties. As or anxieties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And that's what my journals were full of. Yes. Um, <laughs> teen anxiety. Because obviously, woven through all of this is like sin and, and purity and, you know, all that kind of holiness mm. and lots of, you know, all the things that said, okay, what happens if I don't have yes. any of the experiences in that, con- in that little pot of signs?
1: How do I write uh, that?
0: How do I narrate that? And I think, you know, when we go right back to, I think what's spurred this whole conversation for us on on the pod this year was the, um, the kingdom documentary and Mark Finnell's comment as someone who's now, I think an atheist, um, of going into church and again, not feeling anything. Yeah. Sensing anything that everybody else apparently was and and recalling his experience as a young person of that same sense of I'm not experiencing
1: anything. How do I narrate this? How do I
0: narrate this? Right. And that's, an inevitable challenge that comes up when you've got that kind of spiritual framework yeah. set up. And essentially, I guess in a way, what he's kind of saying is, I'm not having any of the experiences within that set of approved signs. Yeah. And so what are my ways of narrating that? How do mm-hmm. I make sense of that? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, was I was I not doing enough? is one conclusion we reach. And that was certainly, I think, a lot of my that was my go to i would yep. say was more earnestness yeah more prayer or more reading my bible or more fasting or more serving or more being you know submitting to the leaders better or i don't yep. know whatever it might be yeah the things that i would feel were in my control to do something about yeah and and connected to that was then or either it was something i wasn't doing enough or it yep. was sin of some kind yeah and so then it was trying to resolve that yeah in some way repent cycles of repentance or, or whatever it might be to somehow deal with whatever was getting in the way of me tapping into Something that, we're, and then you know, and, and there's all sorts of language that then like grows around this. So, like if you're going through a dry season,
1: yes, a <laughs> dry again, season, right,
0: or a wilderness <laughs> time, or something like yeah. that. And yeah. really, what we mean by that, or what we meant by that, I think, was that you're going through a period of time where you're not experiencing any of those approved yeah. signs, right? Yeah, and That's we've right. already talked yeah. about like suggestibility and all sorts of different things, right, on the pod around this. There are all sorts of reasons why you might or might not be experiencing those things, and the experiencing of them is not evidence that you're somehow in tune and contact with God more than others. And the experience of the absence of them is not, Yep. necessarily a sign of the absence of God right yep. there's all sorts of factors playing into that but the way of narrating it and making sense yep. of it is oh I haven't experienced any of that for a while I'm in a dry season and then yep. what does that mean maybe that's God is testing me or God is wanting me to go to the next level of my earnestness yes. <laughs> uh, exactly. you know yeah. uh, maybe get you up fast, another half an fast, hour earlier fast
1: for a breakthrough you know mm, yeah. get yep. that feeling back again yeah mm-hmm. I, I think it was just kind of like to name it here because I had really parallel experiences one of the things I guess that we share in common is that despite all of these um, feelings and impulses and things like that, um, we probably both had a sense of attachment in that we didn't end up reading it as a categorical rejection of ourselves by God in the same way that Mark's commentary um, on the kingdom is saying, you know, um, you know, either I wasn't doing enough or um, I was being rejected at a cosmic mm. level. Like, Mm. I always assumed assumed that it was just that God wanted to love me, that I just wasn't pulling the right levers or doing the right things or, you know, like I wasn't trying hard enough or I wasn't earnest enough or any of that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It was always accessible and available. It was sometimes just out of reach. Mm. Um, And I needed to uh, tweak some things and change some stuff to get in a position where I could, you know, get back in touch with God's love or sort my life out or get a breakthrough or however you want to... um, frame it but I, n- I never had that oh my God everyone else has the capacity to get this thing and I just don't and that mm. means that I'm a worthless piece of crap or mm. that God just doesn't want me mm. and I think you and I probably and again maybe because of the spirituality we were raised in and the I guess the container our parents provided for us um, just kind of had this background assumption of like that ultimately God did want us and mm. Did love us, and yeah this like as torturous as a lot of my experience of these things were, um i don 't think it contrasts to people who felt cosmically rejected mm. by God, of going, uh, you know it doesn't actually matter what I do, I don't get that thing mm. the way other people do it's not fair, like
0: yeah, and, and you've got people who. Also, just that the conclusion is, therefore, there is no God yep. as well, right? Yeah. Which may or may not go hand in hand with the cosmic rejection. It doesn't always. Mm. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. just like the natural conclusion of things. Yeah. I'm not experiencing anything in this container. Yep. And I can see lots of reasons why you all are that might yep. not be God. <laughs> and so I don't think this is God, you know. And I yep. think that's a re- those are really understandable. Both of those are really understandable. Mm, for sure. Natural conclusions to reach too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and for whatever reason, we just, we do all respond to the range of experiences or lack of experiences that we have differently depending yeah. on our personalities, depending on, yeah maybe our attachments, depending on our assumptions yeah. and built underneath that are there for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the other, the other thing that's maybe kind of fascinating about this is like, so one of the challenges that arises is if it's like God is, I want God to uh, turn up, move, arrive, come. <laughs> All the things I want God to do, um, and and then I've got to figure out, and and here's the here's the set of 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 um phenomena or feelings that will tell me that that's happened. Yeah, and then there's the confusion, and we've seen this a lot, like in the feedback that we've gotten as well, which is what happens then when I yeah go to the concert or go to um my friend's uh, church. Yep. or religious ceremony that's not christian at all mm. um, or, or what happens when i go into an environment and i have some of the experiences that are a part of that like a proofed set mm. except i'm not in church and nobody's laying hands on me to receive the holy ghost uh, or um <laughs> or <laughs> i'm not in a beautiful worship service i'm at, yeah. you know i'm am at, at a show or i'm wherever we're or yeah even worse than a show i'm at another religious kind of mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, ceremony one thing worse than non christian music <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: Other religions. Yeah. Yes. And um and so there's kind of a again a, a a need to narrate that as well. Yeah. And and certainly within certain forms of like Pentecostal charismatic spirituality, which I was familiar with at times, was like those things are like counterfeit. So then they become to be oh, like yes. they become feared, you know. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, that's yeah, it feels the same, but it's not yeah. In the church, it's not connected yeah. to preaching of the gospel or to Jesus yeah. or whatever.
1: And then we'll pair it with some weird story from a missionary who had some similar experience and then actually had it revealed to them it was some kind of demon or, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there's often these yeah. like weird mythological like kind <laughs> of like anecdotal stories that everyone knew the same sort of subset of um, mm. that were just kind of like wheeled out to kind of go, and that proves that mm. this is this, actually, yeah.
0: yeah. Yes. And, um, I mean, <laughs> there's books back in the – 90s, I guess they were 90s. This present darkness and stuff, which I think I've oh, yes, before yep. on the pod, but which yep. was in its own way, it was kind of the, the new age people with the like real baddies. Oh, yep, but
1: totally. they presented
0: so lovely and it was also loving and peaceful. Yep. And you had these amazing, lovely, peaceful experiences of feeling connected. But then, you know, when you got sucked in too far, you realized it was, yeah, it was all demons and, yeah, and, and you had a, sacrifice and so your on. children.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's like, um, that's kind of, in a sense, one of the only ways of like being able to narrate that same kind of sign, yeah, if you like, that's yeah. happening elsewhere, yeah. um, or it would drive more earnestness to be like, okay, so I experienced a shiver down my spine when you two started up where the streets have no name, yeah, um, you know, with <laughs> forty thousand people, yeah. How much more should I be experiencing a shiver down my spine when I'm in the church? <laughs> with, with the creator of the universe. And so then it was like, okay, so if that's the kind of experience I'm having there, now I've got to like triple that exactly. to like to yeah. make it good enough for the for the sort of the God thing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, there's just there's some different ways of narrating it, but they all kind of come from that same problem of trying to figure out mm. what happens when the when the signs of of divine presence occur in all sorts of random contexts that apparently have nothing to do with God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, which really comes back down to who owns God.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I think we, we did talk about on yeah. one of the other um, episodes. Yeah. Um, the, the I guess the last like problem with this, and I think you've already alluded it to to it, and I think we've talked about it before as well, which is probably true of just about everything now. Um, but but it's then even if I did have the experience or a set of experiences. That was, like you said, the leaky container-like idea that was only ever really a a stepping stone to an ever-increasing life of those experiences yep. Yep. or that sense of being connected or, or tuned in or, or whatever it was. And mm. so...
1: Uh, We talked about this during the megachurch series about kind of like the eternal horizon of breakthrough. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) About breakthrough beast kind of being held out for this ever-increasing thing, ever-increasing pressing in and ever-increasing levels to get to. And basically you could never actually reach the end of it or actually really relax like it was always, you know, another thing just dangled just out there conveniently, which you'd need to turn, turn up to a service to be able to fulfill. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and sort of the worst thing you could do in, in a sense would be to just stop hungering, stop continuing to press yeah. in.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you became satisfied, yeah, with yesterday's anointing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah, You know, and I remember my like personal mantra for several years, which I used to be so proud of and I would just Which share. you wouldn't
1: have called a mantra because that's very No, 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 range. I wouldn't have. I would
0: have called it a, uh, I don't know, what a mission statement. I don't know what I would have called <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but I used to share it very uh, thoughtfully and wisely with many people. Um, but it was basically it was just I will not settle. You know, like that was my yeah. that was yeah. my kind of personal yeah. st- value statement around how I was going to live, and yeah. it came from that place of I'm I'm never going to allow myself to yeah. relax. <laughs> really, <laughs> how tired because, do you feel now? Even uh, just yeah, saying oh, those words. I mean, I feel tired anyway. Little alone thinking <laughs> yes. about all of that. <laughs> um. Yeah, so so, and again, I can look back with some sympathy and, and understanding for what I was saying, and that absolutely, in in some sense, it, it comes from this very good place of like, yeah, I, I want to live a meaningful life, and I want it to matter, and I don't want to just drift through my life. I want my life to be, you know, mm. uh, filled with power, and and I think also like spiritually, spirituality wise, it was shaped by this kind of the Pentecostal notion that other churches and other revivals all lost their way because they eventually. Stopped pushing in, yes, and stopped pressing yes. in, and so it was yep. always the stories of like yep. empty cathedrals and dead and dry churches, yes. And, and but what we yep. were a part of was this thing, but we had to make sure we never became like those dead yep. and dry churches and who lost the power and what is it? What was the favourite scripture? The, the form of godliness, but denying its power, you know, yes. and all that kind of stuff <laughs> to, to sort yeah. of to try and keep you in that place of constant kind of mm. bit, constantly looking for the next. Mm. Um, breakthrough yeah. yeah 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 Yes So um, Look what I'm trying to do here I guess is kind of sketch out A, a framework generally For like For the way I thought about experience God yeah. is God is ultimately Even if God is with me God's sort of not with me <laughs> I need God to come to me I need God to fill <laughs> God me Turn up me for me a bit
1: But never enough Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Fall down on me I, I need yeah. all sorts of things You know I need God to come And I need signs for God to, to, to be able to say to myself that God has, has arrived and yep. then all of the, the kind of challenges that emerge with that framework yep. for when we do or don't have those things. And, and even, you know, from the outside to be able to go, oh, look, you're just feeling that way because, yeah, they played this chord or because the smoke yep. machine got turned on or because the, it's just a really great song. Um, and then having to defend it and be like, no, 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 it's not that, it's the Lord. I can tell the difference, you know, I can sense it. I've got a gift of discernment. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so that's, I guess, that describes in, in many respects like the framework I had and the problems that arose from that. And I guess if you've been listening to The Shift for any length of time, you'll know that I went through a period of time of essentially like fluctuating either moment to moment or over periods of time of like suppressing the problems and the questions with that framework Mm. coming up with the kind of internal logic loops to make sense of it or, or having another good experience that made me feel better again or or whatever. Um, but eventually those challenges, those problems became not just in my own life, but I think looking in lives of people I was good friends with. Yeah. Became too many for me to keep holding on to that whole framework. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And so that all became to kind of began to crumble and, and fall apart as a way of thinking about God and my relationship to God and my, what it was meant to experience God and, and why I was or wasn't having certain kinds of experiences, and even what was meant what, what experiencing God even means, and every, whether it's even possible. And so
1: mm.
0: for me, it was a, you know a fair period of time of, yeah, becoming very cynical about any kind of experience at all, mm. and naming that as being an experience of God. Um, yeah understandably as kind of a response yeah it's a reaction
1: like yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I didn't want to talk about this before but um, the kind of sense of like sometimes you need to like you, you can't really disentangle you just need to kind of like chop the whole thing down the middle and then work out which bits you want to reattach later on in right, the yeah. track like yeah. you know I think during for some people during the kind of deconstruction reconstruction period they spend a long time kind of in the thick of it trying to like they've got like a big ball of yarn with all these threads mm. to it and they want to lose some and keep others Um, and, and, and sometimes our kind of impulse and right. So I was just to go cool. I'm just going to cut that whole thing off and mm. then sit away from it for a while and then spend some time going. Okay, eventually, how do I feel about this and what bits do I wanna, do? I want to reconnect to that feels safe mm. and feel good and mm. that's a helpful way of finding that uh, finding you know your voice again. And of course, mm. it very much frustrates people who don't like <laughs> deconstruction and just you know you're just using it as an excuse for your sin because um, <laughs> you want to be cool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like this, I, I think sometimes to f- actually find your own voice for people who have had their voice taken from them is the only way you can find the kind of self-efficacy to be able to, you know, like have any sense of control over it is just mm. to go, no, throwing baby bath water, bath house, bath manufacturer all out. Um, and I'm going to come back to this a while later when I feel stronger and like I can think my own thoughts um, mm. and work out what to pick up again.
0: Yeah, and I think for, well, for many people that's a very necessary part of the process and Mm. might look like for some never picking up Mm. any of those bits again Mm. and for others they find ways to do that and I guess, you know, we've talked about before that we have sort of, we have found ways to do that Um, Mm. but, but others haven't and that's just a part of like what this journey looks like for mm. us and what we're looking for is just something life-giving, I think. Um, whatever that, whatever shape that ends up taking. That yeah. sounds very just liberal and, and postmodern, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Always warned yeah. about those people. All right, so what I want to think about now then and kind of contrast to that is is how I think about experiencing God now. Um, and... Let's see if any of this kind of resonates or where we might mm. be similar or different or or whatever kind of comes out of this conversation. So I suppose what kind of really shifted this the, the biggest for me has been my evolving conception of God, I suppose, and God's relationship to the world. And it's a curious thing, you know, like I – would have had a theology that endorsed the three O's, you know, omnipotence, which is <laughs> mm-hmm. all powerful and om, uh, omniscient, all knowing and omnipresent. So is God is everywhere. And yet I also had kind of inherited a theological framework that said God turned up at special moments or in special times or in special ways, mm. whether that was kind of the Pentecost narratives from the New Testament or there was all this kind of Language from from yeah the Hebrew Bible of like Shekinah and the glory and the, you oh, know yes. when the glory would turn up or mm-hmm. Moses up the mountain or you know the tent of meeting or the holy yeah. of holies all the, all these kind of different um, symbols and metaphors and, and stories that emphasise this idea that although God was present God was also particularly present in certain ways at certain mm. times mm. and I think going back now to like talking about my previous framework that was kind of in a sense the way I thought about the Spirit so yeah. God was with me, Spirit was with me, but there was a way to access a different kind of presence. Um, And I think as my kind of, you know, my theological study and my own kind of reflection on some of the challenges with my spiritual and theological framework, kind of as that kind of played out, my view of God around that has changed significantly, you know. (laughs) And so... um, it probably started for me, actually, I'm thinking theologically, like when I started studying um Trinitarian theology. So I started mm. studying the Trinity. And I don't even know 100% what I think about the Trinity anymore. But putting that aside. That's for, that's for my, another episode. Yeah, yeah, that's a totally another episode. Uh Heretic. No, I didn't say I didn't say I didn't believe it. Did I? Boo. Did I? No. Um Or did I? Who's to know? Mystery. Um So... I think what that, at least at that time in my in my life, what that theology helped me with was kind of this movement away from like the God out there who is yep. this kind of static person, whether that was the kind of the old man, you know, the Zeus kind of image, the old man in yep. the sky kind of mentality, which again, if you would asked me if I believed that, I would have said no, and yet lots of my spirituality <laughs> suggested that that's kind of how I thought about God. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: um, and, and I think, yeah, early on it was Trinitarian theology and since then it's been other forms of, of theology that it helped me to, essentially break down that view of God, um, that, that in some respects there are, there are certain you know, ideas of that, kind of that kind of gold in the, that man in the sky kind of image. <laughs> yep. yep. That maybe made sense in the ancient world for a lot of mm. people. Um, but, you know, we've been to the sky now mm. <laughs> and we can look quite a long way. We haven't yep. sort of found... I mean, maybe it's just the, tele- the you know they haven't the telescopes haven't been pointing in the right direction to see old guy on his big shiny <laughs> chair, kind of hovering out there somewhere. Um, but but essentially, either that or he's much further away than we thought. Yes. Um, or just a bit smaller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe really small. Doesn't need to be that big with all that power. Just exactly. a tiny little god on a chair. That's um, <laughs> how, how you use it. <laughs> so um, so. Like kind of moving away from that notion towards this idea that, that God isn't kind of outside of the system. God mm. isn't beyond or above. And we've talked about this before and in the shift as well. But this, this idea of um, panentheism is, is a, a word to describe the sense that God is not sort of separate from the world, but God is in and through the world, sustaining all things with life. Um, mm. present in all things with love, there is, um, you know, forms of theology called open and relational theology, which emphasize this idea of, of God as ultimately not um, prescriptive or controlling um, or static, but as relational in nature, as um, operating the world, responsive, mm. operating the world with openness rather than mm. predetermined mm. outcomes and, and all that kind of stuff. And again, we and I think, won't
1: get into all of this today, but um, but it's not like we've gone from a biblical view to a non-biblical view. There's, there's you know, very strong narratives within the scripture that um, lead us to these places as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's not like, oh, I didn't really like the last version of God, so I think I'm going to come up with a different one. Yeah. <laughs> um, although... We all do that in our own ways all the time, anyway. Of course we do, but yeah. Uh, yeah but but,
1: but yeah. part of that is like, is the you know the the trip fuller of thing of you know God has to be at least as nice as Jesus. Um, yeah. If if Jesus is the lens through which we see the divine, if Jesus is the image of God, you know, mm. for those of mm. us who are Jesus followers, then that asks some questions about the kind mm. of Zeus figure who mm. <laughs> cuts some people off, punishes others, sends others mm. to hell. That we can't actually marry those two things, you know, those things to Jesus. So mm. we have to re-read scripture through that lens. Like, mm. yeah. Yeah, and so it leaves you with, you know, or has
0: left me with, at the moment, the way I think about God is this God who is not out there somewhere who I need to convince or compel to turn up in a particular kind of way mm. to where I am, but a God who is always present. so mm. God who is in and through all things, who is always present, um, and a God who is love at the very core of yeah god's self so that's the way i think about god when i think about god and that has then a whole lot like like the previous version of god had implications for then how i thought about sort of what it meant to experience god Mm. this view of god also has implications for how i think about that and so for me now um i guess my focus in terms of if I'm interested in like what my spirituality looks like or what spiritual experience looks like or what experiencing God looks like for me, then i am I'm looking to cultivate awareness mm. and to pay attention mm. rather than to like be searching for an inbreaking of something yeah, uh, and so I think my spirituality now and and this is not i'm like the reason I'm doing this is not to say this is the right kind of spirituality, and mm. this is where everybody should land. I'm just like this is just how I think about it now and so. Mm just kind of narrating that, I guess. Um, My spirituality now is shaped by this, yeah, by this desire for curiosity, for awareness, for paying attention. Um, And um, actually, I remember, I would have still been deep in the system, but I watched, uh, do you remember Rob Bell did these little videos, these NUMA videos? Oh, that's right, yeah. And at the time, they were like, um, very kind of edgy and cool (laughs) So it was super so cool, um, and they're super edgy, yeah, for sure. And he was still kind of um, in the evangelical complex in his own way, mm. um, and but he had these, He talked. He had this one numa video, and where he thought about you know God as being like a song, and really the question is, are we in tune with the song, you know, and all this kind of stuff, which. Um, I remember when I first watched it I was like this is a bit floaty floaty maboti kind of uh, easy breezy uh, sort of spirituality but probably that language makes a lot more sense to me now than it mm. than it did this idea of yeah of what I'm looking for is to is to tune in in
1: yeah. that sense the sense of re- like uh-huh. even just resonance that mm. you know there are there is this there is love active in the world and part of our job well jobs a bad word for it but 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 yeah I guess like Part of our spirituality is to tune is to tune in to beauty and goodness and love um and to open ourselves to that, to look for it and to recognize it. Like, mm. yeah, rather than kind of expect it to kind of coercively <laughs> overwhelm us all the time. Like Yeah, and in that sense, like I
0: still then see a real need, at least for myself, for spirituality. Mm. Because Aside from even the the coercive thing, like w- without any form of this i I need to find ways i guess in my life that i'm that I'm being shaped and that are prompting me yeah to keep tuning in to those mm. things to keep mm. tuning into goodness and to love and to beauty and to you know yeah. and to joy and into to those things that 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 matter the most in the world yeah. or that I feel like matter the most in the world um and so like if God is in and through all things and God is good and God is love, then for me now, any moment of awareness of love yeah. or of connectedness and relationality or of beauty or of goodness yeah. or of a moment of meaningful connection with some person even mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or creation or, yeah. you know, whatever, are all experiences then of God. For me, those are all things in which, because of the way I see God, I and again, this is you know all interpretation in a sense, all experience has to be interpreted. Yeah, but uh, but I interpret those things as experiences of the divine, and they those experiences may or may not include. All of the things that were in like the first container that we talked about earlier, like the emotional yeah. sense, the,
1: yeah.
0: the I don't know, the shivers down the spine, the wind, yeah. whatever thing, yeah. you know, all that, all that all that kind of stuff that that I would have previously said these are the signs of like the spirit's yeah. presence yeah. or activity with me. Um, my awareness now, or my and my view of God and experiencing God now would say that if I experienced those things. I'm open to tuning into those as being moments in which I encounter something beautiful or good or Mm. true or or loving Mm. or a sense of connection or intimacy or whatever it might be. Mm. But I feel like I'm not kind of limited to that container of things anymore.
1: And also maybe that, you know, because my my sense of that is that I no longer need it to be exclusively God. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah 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 you know yeah. like I don't I like I'm comfortable with the fact that it might be God. That's how I one of the ways I experience those those phenomena, those feelings are those sensory responses are one of the ways I have sensed spirituality in the divine and God in the past. Um, I'm open to that being God. I feel a sense of connection with God through that, um, but I don't need to think that it can't be any other factor. Like yeah, it might be the beauty of a particular piece of music or uh, view of nature or any of those things that might produce that feeling in me. And I'm okay with the fact that God works through those means and that it actually opens me to spirituality and beauty and love and truth and goodness and those things. Like, And on my um, more agnostic days, I'm fine for them to just to be nice feelings like, like yeah. i don't yeah, have yeah. a kind of anxiety around oh my god what if this isn't god or what if this is actually just me feeling nice feelings like and it's not actually god i need to find some way of having pure god experiences removed from everything else um i don't i just don't feel that anxiety around those categories any longer and i also just don't feel in, in another phase i would have felt foolish for thinking that god was in things which can be explained by other means and mm. i think in some ways, I'm just much more comfortable with that now because of my view of God and my need for spirituality that that is actually fine with me. And if one day oh, I realized that it was all wrong and that actually we just live in a materialist universe and when the sun dies, all of humanity does as well, I'll be very embarrassed um, <laughs> and not actually care at all because I'd still rather... <laughs> just live with that wonder and that beauty and the goodness yeah. Like, yeah um yeah
0: similar yeah for sure This must be why we're friends see because we because hmm. we, we think the same and you can exactly. really be friends with if people thinking differently, differently than me you <laughs> are out. Be a, it'll be all over yeah. um but <laughs> but you know yeah i i, I totally resonate with that and the sense that um that i can experience that and all you know i yeah i it could be interpreted. That's just a beautiful song. That's why you're feeling that way. Or you're singing mm. with a crowd, and that's what happens when we sing with a crowd. Mm. That's the thing that happens in your body. Mm.
1: And I'm like, yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, and that, that doesn't exclude God from that. No, that doesn't
0: exclude <laughs> God from it at all. And and that experience in itself, if it's beautiful and if it gives me that sense of man, I feel mm. part of something bigger than myself. Yeah. And, you know, all of those things can can be filled with God because all things are filled with God. And in particular, yeah. you know, and yeah. and. And
1: so, and, and even even kind of looking at that to use a very Christian word, the fruit of it—if <laughs> your response—if your response to that is to feel more connected and more loving and more kind and more generous and more able to love enemies and um, more um, care for and compassion for people who have been on the underside of power and all of those things, then great. That's mm. like that. That's exactly the kind of activity that I see in Jesus, and that I would think that God would be up to. I think that's a. I think that's a good thing. Like,
0: yeah. And so, so there is then in its own way. There's like, um, not like uh, I've got to get holy and sinless before I can experience God meaningfully. Mm. Kind of pressure, but yeah. there might be like ethical. Um, you know, that God, if God is present in these things, then God can also be in the ethics of love and the resistance yeah. to power and yeah and, and that kind of stuff, um, yeah. which we would hope would connect with um experiences of the divine in, in yeah. some kind of way.
1: Um could could I, I maybe go one step further? Yeah. That. Um <clears throat> so I am you know, like through kind of A bunch of thinkers like really into stuff like the spiritualization of the everyday, and realizing, you know, like I am a person who thinks that it's a great idea to connect um, vacuuming the house with care for your family with a spirituality of love and compassion, and to make ordinary everyday things into, you know, to have to kind of attune your awareness to have them as sacred experiences because God is in those practices of care and love and things as well. Like, I think that's wonderful. Um, but I'm also just not against having intentionality about creating thin spaces where we create moments of beauty and kindness and compassion and awareness intentionally as spiritual communities um, that we push the every day aside every now and again to make space for particular um openness to particular experiences. So whether that be in singing together or um, praying together or any of those things that my issue with that stuff is always about um, when they're not collaborative, when they're manipulative, (laughs) um, when you don't show the working, when you don't say we are doing this thing to open ourselves to this experience. um, But if you don't feel it, that's still okay. God is still with you. You're not doing it wrong. Um, But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with having some sort of intentionality around um, spiritual technologies, around um, particular practices that bring our bring our attention to bear on um, on the transcendent, um, as long as there's some kind of yeah transparency with it. Like I think about so many other forms of intimacy, like you know, like romantic intimacy, lighting some candles doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to intimacy and i think with spirituality again we're embodied we're embodied people if we want to like bodily comfort um experiences of beauty beauty all those things can be gateway to experiences of the divine um it doesn't mean that they're formulaic and that they just work or have to work or if they're not working that you're doing something wrong um but i don't think we should become necessarily kind of like this these kind of like aesthetic um like rejectors of anything that could be manipulative so we don't ever like enter into experiences expecting, you know, an openness to the divine. Like I think you can still do that stuff in really powerful and meaningful ways um, that are just more trauma-informed that don't mm-hmm. marginalize people who aren't having the same experience that open it up to collaboration with people of uh, uh, people bringing their experience to it of allowing feedback of making them more open spaces for interpretation and yeah so i don't want to lose yeah, that yeah. stuff necessarily
0: yeah yeah totally yeah, and and creating space for for people to be able to actually um collaborate together on what the things in the container for them are so rather than saying, here's the set of experiences that we expect exactly. you to have, yep. here it is, if you're having these, good, if you aren't, you're in a yep. desert season, there's a <laughs> sin in your life. Um, yep. But actually saying, hey, you tell us what it looks like for you and being able to have mm. genuine kind of mm. collaboration and community. And yeah, f- for me, so like in my sense of my spirituality now, I love the idea that that the divine spiritual experience, whatever language we want to give to it, is present for me in all sorts of places. It's present for me around the dinner table or um, at the beach or with a glass of wine and a a good friend or whatever um, and a beautiful song. But I also know that for me personally, left to myself in a very individualistic sense, Mm. I don't pay attention to attention to any of that stuff very nah. much <laughs> at all so although like I can have this wonderful kind of philosophy of it yeah. I actually don't pay very much attention to it over time mm. if kind of left to myself as as an individual and I'm not talking here about sort of and that's why everybody should go to church um, yeah. as much as it is we do need to I think cultivate community whatever yeah. that whatever forms of community that looks like and I think yeah. church has the, poss- the potential to be one of those kinds of communities and mm. um, for people who aren't haven't been too traumatized by it. Yeah. Um but for me it's like oh I can come and participate in a ritual or a practice whether that's a ritual of singing together or it's a ritual of coming to like you know a, some some yeah. a cracker and some juice or whether it's a, a ritual of prayer or whether it's a ritual of setting aside time in my week to say this is still a thing that matters to me. Yeah. And in those in rituals and in those practices I'm being invited to pay attention. Yeah. To to heighten my awareness. Yeah. Not just by myself, but with other people. Yeah. And to see that awareness again, not just in ways that I define it. So I'm tempted to define my experience of the divine in all of these like really kind of romantic ways. Yeah. And also God is present to me in the really awkward person. Who I share community with, (laughs) who I don't want to talk to because it's inconvenient or difficult, or but but in encountering the other, I'm encountering God in that sense. And I, so yeah, I I feel like the kind of totally kind of individual, almost kind of sort of neo capitalist version of like spirituality, where I'm just deciding for myself what those experiences are and just, and just sort of running with that and and without the attachment back to some form of. Community and engagement with those who yeah. are not like me. Yeah, um, yeah. I've, I, I and, don't feel and, like that's the path I want to go.
1: Yeah, and look, you know, I would also kind of maybe bring the kind of like <laughs> biblical prophetic voice to that as well of the whole sense of kind of going like um, that spiritual experience shouldn't just be an experience, you know, <laughs> um, orgasm of you mm. know of of wonderful kind energy that then goes nowhere and doesn't empower us to be more loving more kind more connected people like i think that mm. form of you know there's that um bell hooks quote and and bell, bell hooks is a um uh, uh african-american feminist um writer um who had yeah like a, a, a kind of like real compassion for and connection to kind of like some of the new age movements in the 60s and 70s but one of her kind of Quotes out of some of that was to say um, I'm often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community um Mm. And that, that sense in which like spirituality, like feeling nice feelings is wonderful and good and is a great thing to experience. But if God is about anything, God is about justice. Um, Mm. and God is about connection and community and that that, that should inspire us to. The, the work of God in the world, um, which, you know, we've talked at length on this podcast about um, our sense of God participating in acts of justment, um, of justice and in kind of like um, dealing with power imbalances and stuff like that. But like, I think, yeah, even kind of like communal worship and communal experience, um, whether that's within the church setting, within other forms of community and stuff like that, like if its only end is to make you feel some tingles, that is still Important and nice and good. Um, But if we're all just going to go and be like individualistic jerks who have no social responsibility for one another off the back of that, then ultimately who really cares? (laughs) you really hope that it kind of produces some expression of love of the other and care for the other and, you know, forgiveness of the other and enemy love? And yeah, any form of Christian spirituality should be pointing in that space. You know, if we're going to hold ourselves to account within our own tradition like yeah 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 man
0: like yeah the the sense that um the god is in and through all things stuff for me like it's the and again this comes back to the reason why or one of the main reasons why i still am a christian yeah despite my Elegy to the word, right? Still interested in in Jesus and I'm following Jesus because I think Jesus and the tradition in which Jesus comes, this kind of prophetic tradition that Jesus yeah. is present within, um, offers me within that wider sense of God is in and through all things, and God is love and beauty and goodness, and and yeah. God is in the rise of the sun, the sun in the morning, and the yeah. you know all of that. Um, that that story of Jesus, yeah, then confronts me with my privilege. And with the way in which I use my power in the world, yeah. and the way in which i might I might be judging the experience of God to be in certain places and not in others, and I need mm. to actually be confronted and and some sometimes by by the kind of tr- the prophetic tradition of of Jesus that that challenges me and asks me to reconsider power. And that's just someone who with a certain degree of like privilege and power, mm. and also that for those at the margins and at the edges and who have much less of that privilege and power, that their experience, again, would not just be kind of platitudes or, or, or tingles, but it would be an experience of the divine at work, um, yeah, of giving a voice and yep. actually placing those at the margins, at the centre of what it is that God is doing and, you know, all, all that yep. kind of stuff. So I think there are...
1: I mean, if God are, is connected yeah. to, to us in those moments, then God is at the same time connected to the kid growing up in unsafe unself- housing. Yeah. You know, that God is <laughs> grown up yeah. connected to the person who is in a punitive prison system, that God is mm. connected to, you know, a person who is hungry, that, that 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 connection that runs through all things should be connecting us to those very things. Mm. Like, mm. yeah.
0: Yes. So <clears throat> uh, I th- what I find kind of um, hopeful about this conversation, I suppose, is that as we talk about even this kind of stuff and where we're kind of landing here around the kind of the justice and community and and the image of God present in each Mm. person which and what kind of ethics that compels us to live out of and all all Mm. that kind of stuff. Um, It's for me that this doesn't come with like, it's interesting, it comes with a real like challenge to the way in which I live and invites me to see the world quite differently than I would see it otherwise. Mm. Um, and God, and to tune into God, and to experience those things that I need, but also for that not to be this kind of inward narcissistic spiral. Yeah, um, but but it doesn't come with like the sense of um, anxiety. pressure, anxiety, <laughs> yeah. coercion, or manip- yeah. or feeling of like I've got to generate something. Yeah, or um.
1: I don't any know. About of, you, but I find myself allergic to that now. Like anything yeah, that yeah, smells yeah. of it, yeah. whether mm-hmm. whether people mean it or not, like I go mm. into spaces like that, and I'm just like, nope, 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 <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
0: I, yeah, no, I can't handle it at all. Yeah. Um, and and that's incredibly kind of liberating. And yeah, I guess it's it's this beautiful thing of that liberation in itself is also the invitation then to then take up like challenge and to be confronted by stuff. But mm. the, the challenges and, and the confrontation and the call to justice and all that kind of stuff is not kind of caving in on me. And if I don't get these things right, then somehow God isn't going to turn up and do what we need God to do. But instead, mm. they become like a an opening up of something. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's been, I guess, a, a much more life-giving mm. spiritual, yeah. spirituality, I guess. Yeah.
1: Could could I just maybe just bring in just another voice here just to kind of throw a spanner in the works of our conversation? Oh, please do. Um, is again just kind of acknowledging privilege and power and stuff. Um that I was reading Trisha Hershey 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 uh, Hershey, hard to say. Um uh, a book called Rest is Resistance which was um, a, a rant I'll go on about another time which is a, a, a beautiful um, book of active, activism against capitalist grind culture mm-hmm. um, and looking at rest not as self-care but as resistance to um, endless growth mechanisms of productivity under neoliberalism um, but one of the things that she was describing in her book was the spirituality of her parents and describing uh, she's uh, um, an African American um, theologian and activist um and she describes the kind of pentecost black pentecostalism of her childhood and about how um, they would be in very similar services in lots of ways to what i would have been in growing up which i found <laughs> completely exhausting. like i found first, at first enlivening but then completely exhausting and then quite violating and needed to cut myself off from um but for a marginalized community of kind of um poor black folk in a um, incredibly racist context um finding church and that sense of Pentecostal experience as one of the few places in life where they had this sense of like real power and efficacy and filling up and empowerment and capacity to kind of like speak words of encouragement and wisdom over each other and experience the divine in these kind of really ecstatic ways that liberated them and kind of, I guess, like, tended to the wounds of what they had experienced in their everyday life living under an incredibly racist culture. Um, I guess part of the part of me that's kind of going like, well, I can just step into white privilege land and go, I'm going to cut off experience now because I can survive without it and um, and I'm going to go into very rational mode and I can look after myself. Um, I just want to acknowledge that that is an actual real sense of privilege as well, in that, that for. Some people in some communities, the, the 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 kinds of experience that we found really violating in ways for them have been incredibly empowering and liberating as as what has kind of kept them going, um, in what they've experienced to be a really abusive system. So I guess I just want to be careful in how I judge other people's spirituality for the way that it's affected me without taking on board potentially why it might have been quite liberating and helpful for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... um, that's Is a, that a helpful spanner? <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. <laughs> but I it's think... like, I mean, like, like, like in in philosophy land, how many nihilists are people who haven't actually experienced... They, they're white academic men who haven't actually experienced... Um, being a refugee being traumatized you know like they can they can sit in relative comfort and say oh, I'll face the cruelties of the world just on my own strength and power you know when they haven't actually necessarily experienced the true horrors of the world and haven't needed spirituality in the same ways that other people have like oh yeah we those no, guys?
0: Look, we, we've got to have another episode don't we talk about this um, <laughs> this is this is really good um, because yeah I think Yeah. Um, How can there be God when there's all this pain and suffering in the world is in itself can, without, you know, and I'm aware this question is asked by all sorts of people in all sorts of Mm. places, right? But sometimes it's among the suffering in the world that the belief in God is most, like, strong. um, Absolutely. You know, and so, yeah, there's a really curious kind of dynamic that I think you're hitting on here. And I I wonder whether, and without sort of... um, Spending another hour talking about this, maybe we have to do another time. But I, I wonder. I guess the way I've been thinking about, it, and I've kind of, hit, I've talked a little bit about this from different perspectives. Maybe uh, I did a flipping, flip the script, flipping the script episode earlier this year. Just talking even about how, like, how so many things in Christian faith are kind of can be oriented at the. Um, marginalized or those who have experienced injustice or violence or pain and harm. And they are offered as like liberation and as voice and as empowerment and as a blessing. Yep. Mm. And then what happens is then the privileged. They get co-opted that, by power structures. It <laughs> they get, they gets co-opted by power structures. And then the privileged take that yep. package it up and have a great old time down the road yep. Um and and then after a while, I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's now no, no, it's not working for me anymore. I don't know. There's a, there's a really interesting thing going on there, isn't there? And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, w- what is it? And so even as I talk about like the prophetic tradition of of Jesus and 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 how that shapes the way I think then about experience and ethics and and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, I'm aware I'm doing that in terms of like, or I think I'm starting to be aware. I'm I'm of of how. The predominant voice of that to me is in fact a confrontation rather than like an empowerment. And mm. so I experience mm. a liberation in in one sense, just in the sense of, I don't know, closeness to God or experience of the divine or whatever. Yeah. But when I encounter the prophetic message of Jesus, my tendency in the past was to be like, yeah, that's right, Jesus. You tell him. Yeah. Um, you tell those people, and I'll tell them too. And yeah. now my I think what I'm starting to come awake Am to I his, the rich man? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And okay, so how does that like change, how does that shape the dynamic of this mm. conversation? And mm. and for sure, like even Pentecostal charismatic spirituality in itself, especially early Pentecostalism was like among marginalized communities and yeah. disenfranchised people and where it still flourishes the most, even though it's kind of like best known for its kind of American health and wealth kind of mm. tele excess. excess, yeah. the predominant, uh, location of, like, Pentecostal spirituality in the world right now yeah. is in Africa, Latin America, and Asia. In Southeast and, Asia, yeah. And Southeast Asia, yeah. Mm. And so, like, um, there's something very different going on there as well. So, yes, a, a very, yeah. um, without us now going down this rabbit hole today, um,
1: that's a really helpful, just let's put that spanner in the works and leave it Yeah, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah and, sure. and another conversation which can, we've had requests for, which I think kind of flows off this, is is, is what do we tell our kids? Like, because because yeah. whenever yeah, I yeah. think about what I want for myself, I think about what do I want for my kids? Like, what do I want to mm. if I if I am to raise them in something, how what framework do I want to offer them? Um, that might be something of meaning that they can choose to accept or reject, but like that I can actually, what am I comfortable providing them with, and how will I frame? How am I framing it for them? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I'm sure we've both got a few stories about that. Okay, so there's a couple
0: of good converses to come. Good. Thank you, Shane. Pleasure. Um, We'll see you next time. Bye. So there you go. My conversation with Shane Meyerholt as we continue exploring experience. A couple of conversations we're going to have off the back of this one coming up, so look out for those too. As always, thanks to Rhys Michel for taking the audiological signals that I sent to him and turning them to something that is listenable in your ears. Until next time.